Good morning. Woo! Happy Monday. Um, I have just one quick announcement before we jump in. Um, next week, Covenant Theological Seminary, which happens to be my alma mater, is actually going to be on campus. Um, President Gibbs will be speaking in chapel, and there will be two separate opportunities for you to interact with the folks from Covenant Seminary if you are interested. There will be a lunch and a dinner, so both of those opportunities have food involved. Um, keep an eye out for an email from Kat um, if you want to, to jump into those opportunities. There will be a sign-up for those. Um, men and women are highly encouraged to attend. In fact, I'm really proud of this. Covenant Seminary just received a $5 million grant towards the theological training for women. So, that's right. So, um, please, if you're interested, keep an, keep an eye out for that email from Kat, all right? Um, it's really fun to be with you all this morning. It's fun to be kind of in the first, like, real chapel. Um, it's really great to see halls sitting together, to see new faces, to see returning students. Um, it's just such a joy to worship together. Isn't the worship band awesome? They're doing such a great job. Um, that's right. Well, here we are at the beginning of another semester. Um, for some of you, this is your first time to do college. You have never done this before. Um, you're still trying to get your bearings and figure out all the things. For some of you, this is actually the beginning of the end. Sorry. <laughs> Right? You have actually, you have lived here and laughed here. Um, you have studied here. You have built a community here. And you are starting to think about what is waiting for you on the other side of Covenant College. And you're wondering where God is going to take you and, and what he might have in store for you. And then there are many of you, sophomores and juniors, I still love you. I have not forgotten you, who are in between, right? And you are, you are reliving, kind of back into old rhythms and routines and places and relationships. But I don't think it matters where you are on that spectrum. I think a new semester um, in college often sort of resurrects some old questions that we have every time it's new. And that question, I think, is a question of belonging. Where do I belong? What if I don't belong? Right? We're really concerned about finding our people and finding our calling. Who, who can I be with and be myself? Who's going to love me even though they know me, right? Who's going to know me? We are asking those questions of belonging as we start a new semester. And here's the thing. That question of belonging is not just something for your college years. That's actually something that's going to follow you in all of your different stages of life. I still struggle with finding belonging um, in different scenarios and new contexts. If you ask a four-year-old and you ask an 84-year-old, the question is the same. Where do I belong? Belonging has actually sort of become a buzzword over the last couple of years in our culture, right? We have institutions and schools and even churches are very concerned about belonging and maybe making people feel like they belong in a space. And this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. But I want to spend some time this morning, because I'm not sure we always know what we mean by belonging. What does it mean to belong? What does it look like to really belong in a place? Normally, when we talk about belonging, I think we tend to think of maybe those kind of zen feelings, right? Or spaces where we feel really comfortable or at home. 
when I was talking to my husband about this, I said, where are you, like, what's belonging for you? And he said, it's when I can go and I can open the fridge and get whatever I want, right? He likes, he loves food. Yes, some of you resonate with that, right? So maybe that's it for you. Maybe belonging is a place where you can walk in and open the fridge and you can help yourself. Or maybe it's a place where you can just kind of walk in and flop on the couch or you can hang out in your pajamas, right? Belonging, though, it tends to, we tend to equate our sense of belonging with this idea of comfort or acceptance, maybe. We belong when we feel appreciated or understood, But maybe these definitions of belonging fall short in some way, right? That's part of belonging. But I actually think that the Bible, surprise, right, holds out a more robust understanding of belonging for us. I, um, and I think this is true because if we think about it, the biblical story is actually nothing more than a story of belonging. From creation to new creation, The narrative of scripture is about belonging. At our house, at home, we have this print of Isaiah 43, verse 1, hanging kind of by our kitchen table. Um, And it says, and I want to read it to you. This is going to be our one verse for this morning. It says, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. I see this verse every time I walk into the kitchen, but as I've been camping out in this idea of belonging, I was struck with how I think actually Isaiah 43.1 is a perfect summary of what it means to belong. Specifically, this passage is addressing the people of Israel through the words of the prophet Isaiah, right? But we are also the people of God, And so what God is saying to the people of Israel applies to us as well, and we would be wise to pay attention to that. God is reiterating truths about belonging that have defined his people from the very beginning. It's actually, Scripture is full of texts like this, of belonging texts, and if you start looking for them, you're going to find them popping off of the pages of Scripture everywhere. But I want to just spend our time looking at this one verse, and I want to pick out a couple of things. So I'm going to read it one more time so we don't miss it. Isaiah 43, 1. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Okay, I want to look at three things from this text. First, we belong to someone. We belong to someone. You are not your own. Now check in with yourself for a minute. (laughs) How do you feel about that? Let's be honest, that is very uncomfortable, right? And it might even be um, maddening in some ways because our modern individualistic, I cannot say that word, tendencies, right, push back against the idea that we belong to someone else or that we are the possession of another, right? We kind of even cringe at that word. In our culture, autonomy is the ultimate aim. We actually kick against the thought that our deep desire and our ultimate happiness isn't found in freedom from something, but belonging to. But God's word could not be clearer about this. 
we all belong to someone. Either we belong to God or we don't. Either we are slaves to righteousness or we are slaves to sin. Either we are children of the light or we are children of the darkness. There is no way around the fact that we belong to someone. The key factor, though, is who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Belonging to God leads one way, to actual, true, vibrant, and abundant life. Belonging to God is actually the only way to true flourishing. Belonging to the world leads another way. It leads to disappointment, shame, withdrawing in on ourselves, ultimately death. In this verse, God is reminding his people, the people of Israel, that they belong to him. And the reason why they belong to God is because God is the one who made them. Did you hear that at the beginning of the verse? He is the one who formed them. So this means that as creator, God calls the shots on both how we were formed and what we should do about that, right? How we are formed and how we are made to flourish. We are his simply because he made us. But notice, it's not this impersonal belonging. It's not this vague beckoning, right? He doesn't say, hey, you. What does it say? He called them by name. He called us by name, by invitation. He has personally invited us to do life with him, intimate, everyday, interactive, ongoing life with him. God is a God of specifics and particulars, and when we belong to him, we actually belong to him in all of our uniqueness and particulars and specificity. You do not belong to God by some accident. He did not like trip and spill his grace on you. He chose you by name. Um, my kids went through a rock collecting phase. I have three kids. Who, who here went through a rock collecting phase? Like, let's be honest, right? Rocks are cool. So my kids went through this rock collecting phase and they would gather all these rocks and they would put them in a box and so they wouldn't lose them. You guys are all talking about your rocks, right? Another time. So they would take all those rocks and they would put them in the boxes and they would arrange them and like categorize them. And they loved to come up to me and be like, mom, look at my rocks. And they would point out like, this is the brown one. This is the gray one. This is the tan one. This is the cream one. And y'all, they all looked brown, okay? They all looked brown to me but they were delighting in the particulars of their rocks. Why? Because they were theirs. They had studied these little rocks and all of the specifics and particulars, and they were delighting in those things because those were their rocks. See, if we belong to God, he delights in you in the same way. And y'all are way cooler than rocks right? He didn't haphazardly call you into his kingdom. He very intentionally and purposefully and very powerfully called you by name because he loved you. That's it. He loved you. 
Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Listen, it was not because you are more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people, but it is because the Lord loves you. This is actually, I think, what distinguishes the Christian idea of belonging. It is that we are some, it, belonging is something we are brought into. It is not something that we have to fight our way to earn. In most contexts, we feel like we belong when maybe we have put ourselves out there or we have taken a risk of some sort or we have been vulnerable. But in God's economy, we are made to belong not because of anything we have done, but because of his great and abundant love. Here's what this means. Let's bring it down to application for a second. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you belong to God. You are not your own. This is not my idea. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians, okay? This is what it means. Your money, then, is not your own. So how does that change the way that you think about stuff? Your talents are not your own. Your gifts, the things that you're good at, are not your own. How does that change the way you think about your ambitions and your goals? Even your time is not your own. How does that influence your conversations about rest and busyness, right? Or even church and entertainment. And hear this, your body is not your own. What do you do with your eyes? What do you do with your hands? Where do your feet go? They are not your own. They belong to God. Let's take this one step further though. It is true that we belong to God, but here's something radical about what Christian Christianity claims. God also belongs to us through the indwelling spirit. The triune God is our God. We have access to him and we have fellowship with him. We belong to God because he belongs to us. That's radical. Which I'm gonna, brings me to the second point then, okay? Belonging leads to becoming. Belonging leads to becoming. If you look back at, verse, at the verse, it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Redemption literally means to buy back or to ransom something. In this verse, for the original audience, again, the people of Israel, they would actually hear this idea of physically bringing back from exile. But the point is that our spot at God's table or our place in God's family, it's actually doubly secure. Because God cannot redeem something that did not belong to him in the first place. He only buys back what was already his. And he created everything as an overflow of his abundant love, right? And sin, what happened when sin came in? It wrecked all of that. So Jesus came and he bought it back. He redeemed it with a great price. You belong to God first because he created you, but secondly, because he redeemed you and he bought you back. And if he has redeemed you, then you are now currently in this process of becoming, 
right? Or theologians like to talk about this word sanctification. It's basically becoming more like Jesus. But that means that we are actually becoming more human because we are becoming more and more the way we were originally created to be before the fall. We are, as we are belonging to God and in this process, we are becoming more like the men and more like the women we were meant to be in relationship with God, walking with him intimately with no shame. I said a few minutes ago that I believe that belonging to God is the only way to experience life and flourishing. And I believe that with my whole heart because we were created to belong to God and to follow him and worship him and trust him. Sin distorted all of that. So we buy back into the lie over and over again. That's as old as Eden itself, right? Which says that we don't need God. We don't have to belong to anyone. We're good on our own. But when we do that, we actually become shadows of who we were originally intended to be. Image bearers, delighting and fellowshipping with our loving creator. One more thing about redemption though, right? Sometimes in reform circles, we like to limit redemption to just forgiveness of sins. And hear me, it is the forgiveness of our sins. But it's bigger than that. And it's bigger than that because the fall is bigger than that, right? We know this because we live on this side of Eden, right? We experience the fall on a daily basis, right? It's evident in chronic pain and relational strife or in um, natural disasters and loneliness, poison ivy (laughs) and gossip. The fall is all-encompassing. Every single aspect of life is touched by the fall. But guess what? Redemption is just as expansive. Jesus has already begun the work of fixing broken things and bringing life where there was death. He is bringing redemption, not just to our own individual hearts, which is really important, okay? (laughs) But as far as the curse is found, it is a movement that has already begun and it's not yet completed. And here's the most crazy part about this. If you have been redeemed, If you belong to God through the work of Jesus, then you on me and all of us, we are invited into this act of redemption. You are invited to contribute to this hard and glorious work of pushing back darkness just a little more. Think about belonging again for a second. A huge aspect of feeling like you belong somewhere, right, is contributing to it in a meaningful way. We belong when we feel like we are heard and valued and like we bring something to the table. This is no less true for the family of God. We have this opportunity, (laughs) this very opportunity to contribute to the most important and lasting work we can imagine, which is faithfully being agents of redemption in whatever sphere we find ourselves in, right? So for right now, for you, That means that somehow this privilege you have right now of learning and exploring ideas and wrestling with them and broadening your understanding is actually kingdom work. It is contributing to the family of God and to the expanse of his kingdom. As you employ the mind of Christ to your studies and as you interact with every idea through the lenses of truth and beauty, you are, yes, equipping yourselves to bring the goodness of the gospel to your families and your careers, but you are also doing that now, 
Life does not start when you graduate from college. You have an opportunity to contribute as you belong to the kingdom of God here on this campus right now. I think the best way for us to embrace the truth that we belong to God is to faithfully participate with Jesus in expanding his kingdom now. Finally, last one. Belonging casts out fear. Belonging casts out fear. What happens when we don't belong or we don't feel like we belong? We stop contributing. We withdraw. We isolate. And we become afraid. We become afraid to show up or to speak up. We are afraid to be known and to know. We are afraid to try to use the gifts that God has given to us. What if we make a mistake? What if I'm rejected? What if they don't like me? Fear. College is no doubt a scary time. I'm glad I'm not in college anymore, really. Like, it's, I love it, but it's scary. Let's be honest, it is a scary time. Making new friends is terrifying. Participating in class is risky. You might be wrong once in a while. You might not get an A. You might, your idea might be not so great. You might be rejected by your friends for sticking up for what is right. But you do not have to belong to fear. You do not have to belong to fear precisely because you already belong to someone else. You belong to the one who perfectly and completely and eternally and powerfully and passionately loves you. And that kind of perfect, perfect love casts out fear. And we know that he loves us this way. Why? Because he did not hold back his most precious thing. He gave us Jesus. My family, we like the original Toy Story, Toy, sorry, Toy Story movies, okay? Verdict's out about Buzz, but we like the original ones. Um, the adventures of Woody and Buzz are delightful, right? There is one storyline, though, that is consistent in all of those movies, all right? And that is this. The toys belong to Andy, right? They're Andy's toys. And so in every movie, when you have these conflicts about they get lost or they're trying to rescue a friend or they're trying to find their way back home, in those moments when they feel scared or they feel alone or they're not sure that Andy loves them anymore, what happens? Somehow, what do they see on the bottom of their foot? Andy. They see his name written on the bottom of, his foot, of their foot. And then suddenly they have the motivation and the energy and the courage to do what it is they need to do, right? We may not have God's name written on the bottom of our foot, but he has your name written on the palm of his hands. You belong to him. He has redeemed you. So step out courageously in the classroom and on your halls and in your research and at church. You have nothing to fear. You belong to the king of kings. You belong to his family. And your contribution is needed and necessary.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have made us a part of your family and that you have given us a place to belong. And all of that just because you love us. Lord, I pray that you would help me not to be afraid. I pray that you would help my sisters and my brothers not to be afraid. That we would step out in courage knowing that our contribution matters because you have made it that way. Lord, help us to embrace the fact that we belong to you and to know that 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 belonging is actually the only way to freedom and to flourishing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.